The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Megan Keoghan, host of today's episode and head of content partnerships here at Provoke. It's not an easy time to be in the C-suite following two and a half years of chaos. A new era of the working world is quite literally at our doorsteps. This begs the question of how can anyone possibly prep themselves, let alone leadership teams, for the new uncharted days ahead? This monumental shift not only means that leaders must communicate differently, but it also means that those who advise them must reevaluate their own approaches. In today's episode, we'll dig into findings from Padilla's extensive report on this very topic after surveying and interviewing more than 100 C-suite leaders. With me today are Matt Kaharski, president of Padilla, and Sam Sventag, VP of Communications at 3M. Sam, Matt, thank you both so much for being here today. You bet, Megan. It's good to see you. Hey, Sam. It's good to see you. Hey, Matt. Thanks, Megan. Yes. Matt, can you give us a little background on on the report that Padilla has produced? and even uh, a bit about how you and Sam have come to know each other through this particular uh, space. Sure. Well, let's start with the first one or the last one first. You know, Sam and I have had a, a you know a relationship for several years. Uh, we've done some work for 3M, but also just a, a professional colleague kind of relationship. And uh, Sam had called and, and said he was getting his group together for their first retreat and in-person retreat in a long time, and asked if I might provide some perspective on what we're seeing and hearing out there. And we collaborated a little bit. And one of the things that we have been observing over the past two and a half years is leaders showing up differently and that impacting how they're communicating differently. And of course that has implications for us as the communicators who advise them. So we talked about that as a topic and Sam thought it would be good, particularly because his team is focused heavily on internal and exec comms. Um, and we said, you know, let's go one further. Let's just not make this about our observations. Let's actually go and get some data to back it up. And so we surveyed, uh, um, we did a survey of 100 C-suite uh, leaders and company owners, 1,000 um, employed adults to get the employee perspective. And then I did 25 um, in-depth interviews with, with uh, C-suite leaders as well to get a little bit behind the uh, behind the curtain a bit and get some verbatims. And that uh, was the foundation for the report that we put out. We first uh, uh, shared it with Sam's team at his retreat. And then since then, I've been sharing it with uh, anybody who's been interested in it. Fascinating. That is a massive time commitment. Um, how long did the overall like start to publishing process take? Uh, it took a couple months to gather the research and about 30 seconds to put together the presentation the <laughs> night before Sam's meeting. No, uh, uh, you know, it was actually, it actually came together very nicely because we did have the ideas and the observations ahead of time. So the research was really used to essentially v- validate our hypotheses about what we we're seeing out there and, and answer a few more of the why questions. So it was over the course of a couple months um, uh, uh, this, uh, this summer, spring and summer. Yeah. Thank you. So interesting. And, and we're going to unpack a lot more about that particular report uh, as we delve in today. Sam, really great to have you with us and ex- excited to hear kind of the um, receiving end of the benefits of this report and, and how it's worked for you. But tell us a little bit about your role at 3M and we'll kick it off to, sure. to how we've worked together. Yeah. Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Megan. And thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, I, I lead employee and executive comms for 3M and you know, going through the last couple of years, right, with the pandemic, um, a lot of things had changed, right? A lot of a lot of things had changed geopolitically, not only just the pandemic with COVID, 
Um, the economy had shifted, um, you know, the importance of social justice communication. And, and I think getting my team together in person for the first time, sort of after everyone had been, you know, working remotely, um, you know, we always love to have benchmarking and, and external perspective, right, that can help guide us and help us do our jobs better. And so, you know, I thought of Matt right away and how his team could help help provide that perspective. They work with a lot of different clients, obviously. Um, and, and, you know, some of the learnings in the report are, are really interesting and things that we've, you know, we've taken into our communication strategy and, and reflected on and, and made adjustments and shifts as a result of it. So it, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun and, and, uh, interesting, I think, to get into it here today. So thanks. Absolutely. Um, your first in-person, uh, retreat, the size of your leadership team, how many folks were you working with or do you work with? Yeah. So my team, so we had about 40 people. You know, we had we did have some people remote as well, right? You know, we have people internationally that are part of part of the team as well. But uh, sort of our our St. Paul based team was was in person for the first time. And then when you do those um, large retreats or those in person things, are you also working with the entirety of the um, like local regional staff, or is it really was that a retreat very specific to the leadership? No, I mean, this was my whole team, my broader team. So this included everyone that does communications at 3M focused on employee and executive executive comms. And we, you know, the external perspective from Matt, we have, uh, we do a strategy workshop. We also do some team building exercises as part of that. So it's a, it was a full day um, for us to kind of reconnect and and get energized about, about, uh, about the year ahead. Nice, nice. Um, okay, so let's let's dig in, Matt. Um, we have this large report. Um, you kind of gave us the background of how it came together. Um, but as you have been unrolling it and introducing it to folks, what is sort of the top line um, summary of findings and what people need to know about it, just sort of as our baseline here going in today? Yeah, Megan, you know, I guess if I were to summarize it in one word, it would be conflicted. Um, leaders today are conflicted on a whole variety of fronts. Um, they're conflicted in that there are a whole number, a whole, a whole a series of events that are happening, external events that are happening that they're needing to respond to that they don't have a lot of control over. Um, and, every, you know, certainly COVID being one of them, uh, but polarized politics, unsettled employees, supply chain shortages, you know, war in Ukraine, um, that's creating some conflict. More external stimuli than there, than there have been in, in most times in their career. You know, second area of confl- conflict is um, they've got multiple generations in the workforce who have different expectations of leadership. Um, and there's one great quote in there about you know, when I tell a when I tell a a, a boomer that I don't have things figured that that I don't have fig- things figured out yet, they are wondering why I'm even talking to them. But I have to tell the Gen X or the Gen Zer because if I don't tell them, they think I'm not working on it. You know, so how do you have communication that lands with these different th- these different groups? Third is um, really an issue of uh, a very conflicted economic environment right now costs going up, needing to, uh, employees wanting more flexibility, needing more to pay more attention to the benefits side of things. And with those costs going up, at the same time, we all know that there's trouble on the horizon and they're, and they're forecasting you know, a, a, a softness. So they're having to spend more money and put more investment into these things and drive their costs up 
when they know down the road that's going to catch up with them. And then the last area of conflict, which to me was one of the most telling, was the very skill sets that they're needing to display right now are in direct conflict with the skill sets that they were brought up with. They're having to learn new tools that are not the tools that help them get to where they are today. So those that all of those are rolled up into that whole word conflict. It's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. It's a lot, and it's a lot to it, it, even putting it in perspective to for any of us who have weathered the storm and what it's a lot. It's just a lot to to wrap our heads around that that is what the last two years have um, well, captured. And yeah, and if you if you internalize it and think about what what we've all dealt with on a personal level. And then you lead a thousand, five thousand, fifty thousand person organization. You still have those feelings yourself. You're not. Right. You're human, right? Um, but you're also thinking about the impact on all those other people. So that's right. creating a, a big challenge. And 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 it. But it also creates opportunity for us as advisors to 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 put things in perspective. Um, stepping away or like looking at from the outside perspective in when we are to your point about like we've all experienced it, developing this system or process for how to train leaders who are living in, in it in real time seems like a big task or um, there isn't like a precedent as to how it was done before. Um, and I think that's what's really interesting kind of about your report and how you and Sam have worked together is, is figuring out how does that go into practice and what does that look like when there isn't something to look back on and like, well, this was how we did it 10 years ago, or this is how we did it the first time around. Well, a lot of it was in the past with executive communications was how do I deliver the message, you know, and, and what message do I deliver? But, but now there has to be a certain level of teaching relatability and teaching humanism and recognizing that the you know that that authenticity word is thrown around so much but but the messenger and how the messenger comes off is almost as important as the message and that's creating a whole different approach to communications approach to training the leaders as communicators whether they're spokespeople or whether just communicating at a town hall meeting it's a different set of skills absolutely sam um this would be i guess a really great time to ask you how um you know, as you've been implementing this, how has, how has it shifted how you train your leaders or how is this, how is the conversation and the really expectation of, of how they communicate with their teams and their staff changed in the last couple of years? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Megan. Um, you know, we used to, I think historically, we'd always done media training with executives, right? You know, they, we want them to be prepared if they get questions from the media. I think now it's a lot more broad than that. It's how do you, you know, we have to spend a lot more time, I think, thinking about how we teach people to communicate better to their employees, right? I think the world, and Matt describes it a little bit in terms of a lot of the changes over the last couple of years, but the amount of change and how rapid it is, is, uh, you know, really has grown significantly, right? And so I think in the old days, right, a quarterly town hall meeting from an executive, now it's like, you know, from quarter to quarter, you know, things are changing week to week, right? And so I think we've really increased the number of touch points that our leaders have, you know, varied our channels, right? There's a lot, you know, we need to take a multi-channel approach. We need to have a lot more listening sessions from our leaders. 
Um, we need to, we need to, you know, Matt mentioned relatability. I think getting, you know, thinking and speaking on your feet skills like that are really important um, and recovering the, the company strategy and direction multiple times. So it is really a, a shift in terms of, in terms of how we're doing it now, right. Compared to how we were doing it, I think two and a half years ago, pre-pandemic. When you are, um, and I guess this is really, we can, uh, I'll ask both of you this question, but as we think about the shift in the communication style, um, before even getting to that question is more like, what are the driving reasons? So is it to avoid quiet quitting? Is it to work on employee retention and engagement? Is it to um, stay committed to the greater purpose of a organization, what are some of the factors that go into deciding kind of the equation or the recipe that fits each organization in, in their trainings? You know, that's a great question because there are those obvious ones, quiet quitting, the retention, the, you know, help, help with purpose. I actually think one that's, that's probably the most strategically valuable to the C-suite leader who needs to communicate more effectively is getting stakeholders to buy into change. Um, because the, it, it, the business models have fundamentally changed as a result of, of what we're seeing, whether it's COVID, whether it's the murder of George Floyd, whether it's changes to the to climate. And, it, and those changes are happening on, even, uh, on a micro basis all the time and getting employees and particularly employees, but also customers, also partners comfortable with change and acting in a way that helps facilitate that change. That to me is the most strategically valuable reason for adjusting communication style. Yeah. And, and getting, getting, you know, employees want to understand why and everything and how this connects. Yeah, absolutely. That. And so I think as everything's changing, you have to continually make those connections between things back to the company strategy, back to the purpose of the company um, with a focus on driving performance. Right. And so you have to keep con- making those connections as you move ahead. That's really important for, for employees to understand. And I know Sam, you had the opportunity to, to, review these findings and kind of glean from them, um, being one of the first folks to sort of see the the overall report. Were there any standout um, things that maybe were highlighted that that you hadn't been able to put your finger on before that you were seeing or experiencing yourself at 3M? Um, I think just the level of, you know, we, we identified, you know, we do a lot of measuring of communications at 3M and we've really ramped that up over the last several years. And I think, you know, we, we, you know, we've talked a lot about, I think measuring communications is a challenge that a lot of communications team have. Like, how do we make sure what we're doing is effective? You know, we had landed on the KPIs for my team were about understanding accessibility and transparency. And I think what, what the findings that Matt and his team you know, worked on, um, you know, really confirmed that those were the right KPIs for us. And transparency is a key one in there. And that maybe, maybe wouldn't have been there a couple of years ago. And you really have to think through now, you know, the risks of not being transparent. I think we always get worried about sharing too much information. Okay, this could show up somewhere externally, or, you know, we don't want to share that because we're not quite ready. I think there's a risk in in not sharing that information too. And, and sometimes it may be, may be good not to share it, but I think thinking through the pros and cons and the risks with that is important. And I think, you know, it, it's just one of many things that I think I, you know, my team gleaned from, from the study. Sam's team does a really nice job of, of applying 
what are oftentimes contemporary marketing techniques to the internal environment, measurement tools, um, multi-channel communications, content strategy, and it's just really impressive. And, and so he's, his team is really well equipped to take advantage of that. You know, the, the transparency one is, is interesting because speaking of conflicted, you know, there's a recognition of needing to be more transparent but also there's a frustration with that transparency that leaders are feeling. And, and in the report, we use the analogy of it's a little bit like being um, uh, preparing meals at the chef's table where you've got all your customers all around you as you're, and you're, you and your team are making the meal. And if you drop a piece of chicken on the floor, everybody's going to see it. And if you've got an argument with you know, the person sauteing the vegetables, that argument is happening out in public and you're being judged. And so that transparency can be frustrating at times. And what some leaders have done is they've said, look, we, we need to be more transparent, but 100% transparency is just impractical. We're going to go for translucent. You know, we're going to share what we're doing, but we're not going to share every last little gritty detail because we don't want to freak people out. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's an interesting conflict. Is there um, a, is there a greater focus or should there be a greater focus on having the conversation or how to handle the conversation when that chicken has dropped on the floor versus having, being comfortable being transparent in the first place. So like the proactive versus reactive conversation skill set. So to, to sort of beat this analogy to death, <laughs> the problem is having the conversation about the chicken dropping on the floor means mm-hmm. we're not talking about the great meal we're preparing anymore. So being overly transparent creates the potential that you get off track and you lose perspective on what we're really trying to accomplish. And that's one of the big dangers is we don't want to talk about the chicken dropping on the floor. What we want to talk about is the great chicken meal that we're preparing here. And yeah, maybe we have some errors along the way, but we don't want that to be the focus. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think, Sam. Yeah. And, but, and the transparency could be explaining, hey, listen, you know, hey, that dropped, you know, and here's, yeah. <laughs> here's, here's how that fits in anything. And hey, you know, but bringing him back to the focus of, of, and the priorities, right, of the company and what you're trying to drive. And so I think you can do, you can do both. Um, you know, Megan, I think it is, it is training leaders to be, to be good. Again, I said thinking and speaking, speaking on your feet earlier, but I think that's a big part of it, right, is being, reactive, being able to handle things in the moment, being okay, saying, I don't know, but I'll find that information out later and I'll get back to you. Those types of things. I think sometimes leaders feel like they have to have all the answers before they go into a session. And now what we're seeing is, you know, going into listening sessions, you don't have to have all the answers. Employees just want to be, you know, employees as a stakeholder, they just want to be acknowledged. They want to be heard. They want to have the discussion. And it doesn't always mean you have to have, you know, exactly the answer they're looking for. You, know, you get a lot of credit for just being able to have the discussion. Mm-hmm. We're using employees a lot as an example here, Megan. But yeah, this applies to a lot of stakeholder groups. You know, customers are dealing with change. Supply chain partners dealing with change. Investors, community members. So even though it's just naturally, it's, it's, it's easy to go to employees and, and we yeah. should the kind of findings in the report and the things we all learn definitely apply to interaction and building relationships with other stakeholder groups. One of the trends that I'm hearing or kind of red threads through all of this is um, being a part of the discussion and being a part of the conversation where um, for a long time, I think many of us were more accustomed to C-suite sort of being in this glass box or separate from where the work gets done and more of a, um, 
a role where they are presented to with updates or they're given the updates and they're briefed on, on things. But um, perhaps is it fair to say that throughout the pandemic, whether it's been like because we've seen each other in each other's living rooms over Zoom and we've had this, this new sense of familiarity, uh, more of a team player role or a contributor, um, like maybe some of that hierarchy, the gap is closed a little. And um, that's, a, that's a new role, but also requires a new communication. Is that a piece of the puzzle or is, or is that fair to say? Yeah, I, Megan, maybe a quick example. I'll let, I'll let Matt go too. I mean, we one of the things we we did during the pandemic and after is really leverage um, leverage Yammer as a collaboration platform and encourage our leaders to get in there and post and engage with employees. And I think at first, you know, that's that's new ground, right? Because typically from leaders, as you said, it was more of a one way, I think, in terms of electronic communication. And so, um, but it's really opened up a lot of dialogue between between leaders, uh, you know, and again, using employees as the example here, but using that platform to, to, to help do that is really, you know, we've seen a lot of benefit there, right? And that's helped, I think, with, with some of the transparency. What's, what's funny about it and, and somewhat, somewhat ironic is tools like Yammer and Teams channels and that kind of thing, they have been used to create more collaboration, more accessibility. They also create rumor mills. They create the environment for people to whisper, right? So mm-hmm. being okay with the fact that you're creating these new channels for communications is something that leaders have had to get used to. You talk about something really important, Megan, which is that that um, helping, you know, getting out of the glass tower, or the glass bubble, and getting more involved. There, I see two fundamental reasons why that has to happen. One we already talked about, which is relatability, right? Hard mm-hmm. to be relatable when you have to go through six layers to actually, you know, provide an update. Yeah. But the second goes back to our discussion of change. You think about it, um, change that happens to someone is stressful. Mm-hmm. Change where someone is involved in the change can be energizing. So what I think really good leaders are doing is recognizing, hey, if I'm going to implement the kind of changes I want to change, I want to make, I need to involve people in driving that change so they feel like they're part of it. They get energized by it versus feeling like they're a victim of whatever decisions have been made on their behalf. Yeah, so I think that's just I think that's a good strategy for uh, and, and a compelling reason why you got to get out of the bubble. Yeah. Um, in that in that transition where where maybe leaders have sort of shifted their daily presence or their involvement in, say, teams or yammers, things like that. Um, in the report finding or in your research, did you find that anybody sensed uh creating that trust initially was kind of a challenge because I can imagine if one day my CEO is sitting next to me and is, you know, chatting to me and I'm like, why, why are they talking to me? Why, like, was there ever kind of a conversation or did that just happen naturally through the pandemic that, that, that trust was already a little bit easier? You know, I'd be interested what Sam's perspective is on this, but what I did see when I talked to some of those leaders was, a recognition that they needed to maybe not necessarily actively engage in the conversations that were taking place, but they needed to actually listen to the conversations and be present and show that they cared. You know, we have something in Padilla called Way to Go Wednesday. That's just this running stream of, you know, kudos to everybody, just shout outs to people and shout outs to people. And it's a 
it's if I go in there and do a bunch of shout out, shout outs, I kind of suck the air out of the room. But if I go in and show that I'm actually paying attention and like ones that I see, it lets the kind of environment happen. Uh, I learn a lot for one thing. And then also they know that I'm present. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, one of the things that we saw during the pandemic, and of course we all on my team working from home, leaders working from home, I think there was, you know, it got so busy, right. And there's, and leaders were kind of running parallel path with you trying to figure it out. And so I think you did lose a little bit of that formality, right. I think it was a little bit less like, Hey, I got to spend this much time to get the slides to look exactly like this. And it was a little bit more like, okay, we're going to bring in a draft. We're going to work on it together. You know, we did that with our leaders. And so I think that has carried us through right where now you've got a little bit more of that closer connection between leaders and employees. Um, Of course, they're just a, a green light or red light away on teams from, from, you know, you can ping them, which of course you couldn't do, but I do think some of the formality, you know, you know, shifted a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Uh, okay, Matt, I hope this doesn't, I, I know that the, the report was very focused on C-suite, but I'm in this conversation. I, I have developed a question, which is, how has this affected middle managers where the managing up and the conversation up has always sort of been a piece of the puzzle for a middle manager, but also communicating on the daily basis to a team. So being that, that middle voice has always notoriously been kind of an, a challenging role right. in a company. And I'm wondering, has any of the kind of takeaways or lessons that you've learned from this report, does any of that apply also to like middle management. Yeah, I think it does, Megan, because one of the things that um, that we point out in the report is, uh, and, and you can see in some of the verbatims from, from leaders is these they articulate what kind of people they want at the table with them. Um, you know, people who can operate in the gray, people who can, you know, who can t- do what Sam talked about, can kind of like collaborate along the way, who maybe set hierarchy aside in order to get the job done, who can communicate with some level of empathy, who can show some flexibility. Those are attributes that they're looking for from their communicators, but their attributes are looking for anybody they want at that table. So to the extent that those attributes are valuable to leaders, they're good signals for mid-level managers to understand that the skill sets that maybe historically were used to to get, get ahead uh, and to advance maybe aren't the ones that are the best now. And I think that bodes well actually for um, for for more empathetic leaders. Um, and I think it bodes well actually for women in, in leadership as well, because many of the traits that are being uh, brought forth, not to overgeneralize, but many of the traits that are not needed are traits that are inherently feminine traits. Uh, whether they're done, whether they're expressed by a male or female, they're they're feminine traits. And that's a good thing. I think one other one other point I'd make just to add on, I think, you know, it's important for middle managers to have middle managers that really understand the complexities of what's going on. We talked about earlier a lot of the change that's happening, right? And how the company strategy is shifting, you know, whether it's supply chain issues, the economy's changing. There's a lot of things happening. And so middle managers really have a tough job, right? Because they're they're getting direction from above. They're having to keep their te- teams informed at a pace that is like it, you know, really like it hasn't been before, right? As, at, at that rapid pace. And so I think people that can understand the complexities, what's going on in the world, what's going on in the company, they're super in touch with different stakeholders. They're doing benchmarking. They're talking to people like Matt that can give them pers- perspective. Um, 
you know, they'll be most successful. Because I think, I think those leaders in the middle are, are, you know, key as part of the change management approach and what's happening in companies today. I mean, they're really critical. And so having, having a strong team there and an informed team that can navigate all these changes is really important. Really good point. Um, I know we had touched on it just a little bit ago, Sam, but the um, ways that 3M is measuring the success of this program and this approach, um, Matt had mentioned that that historically you've always been uh, an organization that relied a lot on metrics and measurement. Um, and wondering if you're willing to share a little bit about how you've been kind of benchmarking the success of, of this New yeah. Teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Megan. I mean, we run communications just like we would run, you know, a different business or a different function, right? And and data, insights, metrics, intelligence are a big part of, of how we go. To, and really critical now because of how fast things are changing. So we do quarterly pulse checks with employees, for example, where we get, you know, employee sentiment back. Um, you know, and I mentioned our KPIs, understanding, transparency, accessibility. We also measure everything at the channel level. So how many people read this email? How many people clicked on this story? How many people attended this town hall meeting? How many people watched the recording? Like we have all of that data. And so we, we synthesize that in, uh, we use Power BI, right, which is a great tool to help us kind of create dashboards and, and illustrate um, some of the themes, right? And then we make changes. We review that stuff on a regular basis. Um, we have our communicators review the data on how things are performing. I think historically, maybe communications is focused a lot on activities. Let's do a bunch of stuff. Let's create a bunch of content. Let's get stuff out there through whatever channels we can. And I think now it's it's uh, impact versus activity mindset. And we're making that shift with our teams, right? It's about impact. And what is the data showing us versus how many activities can I do as a communicator? So, so we've seen that shift, you know, we're, we're still working on it, right? It's a mindset shift for people as communicators, but um, the impact of what they're doing is most important. You had me at Power BI. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like right? the, most, the most underutilized and most underappreciated yeah. feature within Office 365. It rocks. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and a skill that, you know, you've got to hire people into your communications function that are data and analytics and yeah, insights yeah. experts, not because getting communicators to try to work in Excel or Power BI, you know, forget about it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm smiling right now because it's it's funny to think of communicators who have been preaching the power of data and measurement and metrics for our clients for a long time now, uh, shifting that perspective to really thinking about internally uh, companies and organizations as a whole other subset of customers. And it's, of course, it's totally yeah. the trend and, and 3M is very much at the front end of that, of applying those techno that techniques that have been largely used for external and largely even used for marketing and applying them internally. Why shouldn't we be able to apply those, those tools to just a different stakeholder group? It's still behavior we're looking for, whether it's a purchase or a improved quality or, you know, adopt this new process. Yeah. And I think, you know, we even surprised our executives, right? When on a quarterly basis, we started bringing them a dashboard on, okay, you know, we go right to our C-suite leaders and say, here's a dashboard of the last quarter, everything we did from a communication standpoint, how it performed, what are the insights and what are we going to do differently this next quarter for you? And I think it just opens their eyes to, you know, the strategic function that communication is, right? I love, I love thinking of a dashboard and, and picturing that whole scenario of, of um, 
even just thinking about the the open rates on emails or the you know the click through and the and the um, time spent watching or time spent active, it's so obvious, uh, but also not obvious. And um, yeah, it's only going to get better too because you think about right now on social media, we'll use tools to like do you know to automated tools to track sentiment, right? Why can't you do that in the teams? channel or do that in us in Slack, you know, you will be able or Yammer, you'll be able to do those kinds of things. So we'll be able to even go beyond and add, start adding sentiment in there with internal audiences too. And it might already be being done in some cases, but yeah, Yeah. it's great. Uh, In terms of staffing up a team like this, Matt, or I'm sorry, Sam, you, I know that you've trained a lot of your existing C-suite, but have, have the roles that have been doing the training or implementing some of the measurement are, have you seen a need for new roles or new, um, skill sets coming into the organization also to help execute this? Yeah. I mean, I'll touch on just a couple. I think I mentioned the data and analytics skill set. I mean, you definitely need, need, uh, that capability, right. And that typically, at least most communications people I know and myself included, um, that's not maybe their core strength, right. It's maybe more in the creative space. And so we actually use, you know, we actually use our, our one of our service centers to help us do the, the Power BI work for communications. Um, I think the other one we talked about a little bit earlier relative to, to uh, kind of middle management or leaders in that area and some of the skill sets that they need to have in terms of navigating change, the complexities of, of business, you know, really having people that can support you know, multiple different functions, multiple different businesses can cross over, can pick up you know, could support HR one day and could support, you know, our technology the next day and could support a business the next day. Um, those are the people and skills, I think. And so we try to, you know, even move people around a little bit, right, to get people to broaden their skill set, broaden their their mindset around uh, understanding the business better. Um, but those are two of the things that we're really, you know, really focused on are really important right now. Matt, any any further thoughts on that? I Other than to say, other than to say, you know, it it is, it has greatly changed the kind of training we do for executive spokespeople. Um, And I'll give you a a good, uh, good example of this. Um, Well, actually, you know, in our work with, with Sam, we've done in the past some, some training of plant managers, uh, usually for a crisis. Well, then we realized we, meaning 3M realized it's more than just communication of crisis. It's just communication that needs to happen. And we do a bunch of um, executive uh, spokesperson training for a big academic medical center. Uh, and the, the medical doctors who are in leadership positions are required to go through training. And it used to be media coaching. And Sam brought this up a little bit earlier. Now the training program is there's a module on just communications fundamentals. There's a module on not media coaching, but Q&A delivery, because it could be a town hall, could be this kind of thing, a podcast, could be a media interview. There's another session on effective presentations. There's another effect, uh, one on effective written communication and one on social media. And so the training has been fundamentally changed because we're asking leaders to communicate through different channels and in different ways. I think that's just such a good kind of summarizing thought there, which is, um, the shift really, really boils down to this fundamental change in communication style. And we're no longer in an era where media training can solve all of the problems. It, it starts, it's a holistic approach um, to how we're thinking. So 
I, I know we've covered a lot and we could probably have a whole secondary conversation on this and keep going, but um, parting thoughts or things that we've, we've really should have covered that we didn't. I know I have a lot of other questions, but uh, um, we are also at. Hey, I'm going to go first. He's, he's, he's a guest here. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. Thanks, Matt. And thanks, Megan, for, for having me on. I think, you know, as communicators, I think it's, it's just a, uh, it's changing rapidly. Right. And so, you know, doing benchmarking consistently, um, you know, talking to people, like I said, like Matt and people, people in agencies that are working with a lot of different clients. I mean, meeting even with vendors that maybe you wouldn't even, you already have a solution for that, but trying to understand where they're going with their strategy. I think all of those things are really critical nowadays. Um, you know, cause like I said, it's just changing rapidly and we've got to be, you know, as great communicators are anticipating, right. We're ahead of where things are going in order to be ahead. You've got to be having all these connections and, and uh, you know, gleaning the insights before someone, you know, internally in the company asks you or tells you where to go. Right. We should be, we should be guiding the company to a certain extent uh, where, where they should go, or we should be ahead in terms of communication. So, so that, that's our goal, but that would be, that's, there's my parting thought. Thank you. <laughs> it's a good parting thought. You know, with you know, the leaders, the people who are in leadership positions right now are managing an environment that they've, they've actually never seen in their career. Um, and it's been largely driven by external factors. That's changing how they're showing up as leaders and it's changing how they're communicating. That in turn has an impact on those of us who are professional communicators who, are, who advise them. We have to show up differently. We have to understand the environment they're living in. We have to understand, as Sam said, the complexities of the business uh, and bring forth perspective that helps, um, helps, helps show that we understand that complexity. And we need to do more than just produce and uh, create content. We need to help advise those leaders on what they should be doing as well to, to be successful in this environment. Thank you both. This has been uh, Sam Spentek and Matt Kuharski. I'm Megan Keoghan, and this has been the Provoke Media Podcast. You've been listening to the Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. <laughs>